All right, well, if you missed last week's uh, wintry wonderland, and hopefully you enjoyed that, um, but you, you missed the service, uh, last week we began uh, a series called The Blueprint of a Healthy Church. The Blueprint of a Healthy Church. And, uh, and I, the way I began it, I said that it, it, it's difficult to listen to a sermon uh, on the church because, one, um, it doesn't sound that practical. You're like, okay, let's get through this to something more important. Uh, but we saw that that living in a healthy church is actually highly practical. But two, you may have been burned by the church before. And if you've been burned by the church, it's hard to trust it. It's hard to to believe in it. And so this is absolutely why we need this. We need healthy churches. And that health stems from from the kids' ministry to to the way that we act with mercy and justice, to Bible studies, and to its pastors. And so as we, as we lay the blueprint, uh, one critical piece that we need to talk about is elders. And because many of us are coming from different backgrounds, different churches, or, some, or no church background at all, I think it is uh, essential that we break that down. What are elders and what do they do? Or stated another way, what does an elder smell like? Hold with me on that. <laughs> Stay with me. Smell is a very powerful thing. Just a week ago, uh, I, I wanted to, to smoke some ribs at our house. Uh, we got a new smoker, uh, and I've been really getting into smoking lately, which is a phrase that can only be used in Texas, uh, that, that people know what you're talking about. Um, but I've been getting to smoke, and we were smoking ribs and, and pork butt. Um, and when I opened the package of ribs... Open that sealed packet of ribs. There was a sting the nostrils, pungent smell that happened. Do you know this smell? It, it, was, it, was, it was just imagine rotten eggs or wet dog and let it fester for about a week in a hot box. And that's the smell that just happened just instantly in the house. And I was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine because I'm stubborn. I was like, I'll just put some dry rub on it. It'll be good. <laughs> but Kristen is way upstairs in the other part of the house, all the way upstairs. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Ryan, what is that? <laughs> she's, she's freaking out, like, way upstairs. And I'm like, nothing, nothing. And so I was like, maybe this is more serious than I thought if it's reaching all the way upstairs. And so I throw the ribs away. Then I take the trash out, and I clean the counters, and it didn't matter. The smell lingered in the house. <laughs> These were rancid ribs, and the smell stuck with us for like the next hour or so. And, and uh, if you've ever um, walked into a house, you can see smell has a, has, a, has a positive sense and a negative sense. That was the negative, obviously. But positively, let's say you walk into like a realtor's house, and they have those freshly baked warm cookies. You're like, ah, just a happy day. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies just makes you seem happier inside. I mean, come on. That, that, that is a beautiful smell that, that, uh, that, that brings you happiness. Or, or where's Elijah Muhammad? He, he's, he's got some scented candles around here that, that, that are beautiful. There we go. He, he'll sell them to you. <laughs> right? They're, they're, they're these smells that just make you happy, that, that stick with you. But I think the one thing that sticks with you longer and, and um, annoyingly more than anything else is smoke. And so when we have our men's Bible study, typically if it's 
like the weather is today, nice but also cold, we'll put a fire in the middle and we'll get around the fire. And I've heard from some of you that say, like, I have to make my husband take a shower before he's, he's able to actually do anything else in the house because that smoke sticks with you. It, it lingers on you. you. There's no denying where they were at. They were around a, a fire. <laughs> the smoke sticks. And so today I want to ask the question, what does an elder smell like? Meaning, where have they been? What are they up to? What have they been up to? What should they be up to? What should they smell like? And that's, the, the, that's what I want to tackle today. Elders and their role in the church. And so, really, it's pretty simple. What is an elder and what do they do? What is an elder? What do they do? And so, whatever an elder is, Paul seems to think it's extremely important. It's life and death for the health of a church. And so, after having planted a church in Titus 1... He tells us 1.5, he says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. The word elder there is the word presbyteros, which is where we get our Presbyterian, that, that denomination we're part of here. And so a church is planted, great, we need to get them elders. We need to set them up for success. Acts 14, 23 says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so this is God's pattern. Plant churches, give them elders. You want a healthy church, you have to appoint elders. And if we look at our text today, I think we get a better idea of what that elder is and what their role is. In verse 1, it says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, Paul considers himself uh, one of them, and witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock. What is an elder? An elder is a shepherd. Amongst anything else, the primary thing an elder is, is a shepherd, a shepherd of sheep. And now in ancient days, uh, in the ancient Near East, shepherds were different than they are today. The elders didn't just have a fenced yard where the sheep stayed and they stayed in the farmhouse. No, the elders were constantly with the sheep. They're, if you look at all the text in scripture and all the history books, shepherds literally lived with the sheep. They were among the sheep so much that they cared for them and took care of everything with them. They were not some, off somewhere else. They were walking in the midst of the animals, speaking to them, feeding them, caring for them. And they, they know their sheep because they live with them. And so literally, an elder, what does they smell like? They should smell like sheep. If a shepherd of those times were to walk into our midst today and you go, hey, what have you been up to? You just smell it. <laughs> Because they would be reeking of sheep. You're like, maybe you should take a shower. They would come in reeking of sheep because they were constantly with them. They were not off in a boardroom making some decisions. They were with God's people. And so here at Mosaic, we're a part of a denomination called the PCA. That's Presbyterian. There's that word, elders. Um, church in America. And we have ruling and teaching elders. But both are elders. Both have a primary duty to shepherd the flock. In the New Testament, they, they, they use the words pastor, shepherd, elder, overseer, bishop, and they, they, they use these terms interchangeably. 
And so a pastor is a shepherd. A shepherd is an elder. And these are, these are all terms that you may have heard in different in church settings, but the, they're the, all the primary role of shepherding God's sheep. And so as a new church, as we start to plant mosaic, we're wanting to follow Titus 1 and appoint elders to shepherd God's people. And so what, what is so crucial for every church to have is elders who shepherd the sheep. Why is that so crucial? Well, if you know anything about sheep, and I'm sure you've heard some of this, this before, these analogies, but if you were ever called a sheep, that doesn't feel like a, a flattering thing, yes? <laughs> like, ah, just sheep. <laughs> well, the Bible would say the same thing. <laughs> Because as we look at sheep, it's, it's kind of an insulting thing for us to be called sheep. That, that sheep are, are, are not the smartest. And now, don't let me sound like I'm immune to this. Because as Peter says in the end of our passage, he says that every pastor, every elder is also a sheep. Verse 4, he says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so God is the chief shepherd, and I am just an under shepherd, like you, and I'm described as sheep. Sheep. <laughs> The dumbest animals alive. Jeez, thanks. <laughs> you know why there aren't wild sheep roaming about in the world? Like, you, you set a, a, a horse to be free and to be a wild horse, and it's, it's, it's going and it's running, it's breathing the free air. Yes, wild freedom. You set a sheep free, and it's like, what do I do? What do I do? Where am I? Ah! Wait. <laughs> sheep do not know what to do by themselves. They are freaking out. If a sheep falls on its back, it's like a turtle. It cannot get back over. It needs that much help. Sheep are helpless. And if some of you are saying, well, you, you maybe feel like your pride is getting offended, and you're like this defense mechanism boiling up in you, and you're like, don't describe me that way. I am not a sheep. I am much better than a sheep. No, you're not. <laughs> you're absolutely not that. <laughs> Left to yourselves... Think of all the terrible things you've done all by yourself. Some of our dumbest decisions we've ever done is when we were left to ourselves to make our own decisions, to get exactly what we wanted, and those are the things that really hurt us. We are helpless. And so this leads us to the role of an elder. What does an elder do? How do they get their smell? Sounds like, how does an angel get its wings? How does an, <laughs> how does an elder get that smell? An elder starts to smell like sheep when they do three things. They feed. They protect, and they equip. An elder feeds, protects, and equips. So that's the role of an elder. According to Scientific America, most human beings will starve to death after three to four weeks without food and water. To put it simply, without food, your body will die. What's true of your physical body is true of your spiritual body as well, of your body in Christ have you ever heard someone say, I'm not really getting fed at this church. I feel dry. I feel, I feel, I feel dry spiritually. That's a common phrase among Christians. And, and, and sometimes, maybe rightfully so, churches in cities all over the world are spiritually malnourished. Amos 8 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. That's a scary passage. A famine of the words of the Lord. 
I mean, this is as detrimental as if we were to have no physical food or water. And Jesus tells us, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so that's why God wants his children to be well fed, so that they will never hunger. And so we need Jesus just as much as we need lunch. This is why he charges pastors and elders to exhort others in sound doctrine, to preach the word and contend for the faith. God's word is just good for our souls. Far be it from me to to deprive any of us from that. And so we want to put the word in front of us every single week, all the time to feast on it. And so an elder is a shepherd, and he shepherds his flock by feeding them God's word. And one easy way to see this is through preaching. But to do, this, but to do that well, it requires that elders deep, are, are deeply in touch with the pulse of their congregation. And so as we prepare sermons, we are, we are considering you, where you're coming from, what you may be struggling with. What you feel, what we we see that there might be areas for us to, to chew on, to grow in. We need to give you that daily diet of God's word and apply it to whatever you're going through. And so this may come also through discipleship, through mentorship, through one-on-one um, counseling. There's a host of different ways this looks. But feeding sheep means taking the big pictures of, of God's scripture and, and working them in the daily fabric of life. And so this way maybe may, may sound more reasonable. What does it mean to believe and apply the gospel when I lose my child? What do I have to hold on to in that moment? What does it mean to believe and apply the gospel when I lose my job? These are, these are critical moments we have to go, what are my foundations? What do I believe? What, is it, what does it mean when, when, when my child gets in trouble with the law or when I feel trapped in habitual sin? What does the Bible or the gospel have anything to do with that? Pastoral and elder work is simply bringing the fruit of the bud of the gospel to full flower. It, it, it is watching the bud of the gospel spring forth life and working through all of those very scary moments. And so are you being fed? Well, that's on us. But also ask yourself, are you willing to to be fed? Are you open to learning? Which is really hard to do in 2021, to to be willing to to open ourselves to learn something new, something different than than something that we've already heard. Usually we just like to confirm what we already believe. And so nowadays, maybe we just shut down conversations But if you're willing to chew on Scripture and wherever Scripture may lead us, then I think that that shows that we are teachable. We're we're willing for God to mold us in whatever he may be doing in our hearts. And so an elder feeds, but he also protects. Acts 20, 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's the word, it's actually bishop, but as we said, it also can be elder and shepherd to care for the church of God. And then verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish anyone with tears. And so one crucial role of a shepherd is to, is to protect their sheep from hungry wolves. Remember, if sheep are so helpless that they can't feed themselves, they definitely cannot protect themselves from these predators. There's a guy named Philip Keller who, who describes what he saw firsthand as he watched sheep in front of jackals and dogs and cougars and bears and, and wolves. And he says, often in blind fear or stupid unawareness, these sheep would just stand rooted to the spot watching their companions being cut to shreds. The predator would pounce upon them and then another and then another, tearing them with tooth and claw. Meanwhile, other sheep would just merely act as if nothing's the matter. They did not even hear or recognize the carnage going on right next to them. It was as if they were totally oblivious to the peril of their own precarious position. Can you believe sheep would do that? I mean, it's, it's almost like we want to, it's like a horror movie. We're like, run! What are you doing? Don't open that door. Why did you walk in the woods alone? Go! We think these sheep are idiots. And the Bible says that we are exactly the same when we let wolves into our church. Either by blind fear of them or stupidly unaware of the danger they pose, we get cut to shreds. And it's clear to me that we've let wolves into the church. We've let some people disciple God's people into a health, wealth gospel. And it's taken on a new form in these days in saying that you, your business, are all divinely favored. Your country, your happiness is all about you where he just wants you to be rich and he wants America to be uniquely blessed. And that comes at the cost of others. And so that we see others as inferior to us because we are, we are the unique ones. We are the ones that God's blessing and, and, and cares for. And this is happens when we, when we let celebrity pastors lead us and they water down the gospel and scripture so much that we don't even know what we believe anymore. We have no doctrine and what happens when the elders don't protect the wolves? Scripture tells us it is open season. Isaiah 56, 9 says, All you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest come devour. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs that cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. That is a scary passage where God would say, come devour the sheep because the elders, the shepherds are just asleep. Are you shocked at how far gone the Christian brothers and sisters around you have become? Have you found yourself asking, how did it ever get this far down the road? Isaiah tells us without shepherds, watchmen, feeding the sheep and protecting them, this is what it looks like to uh, watch a wolf rip and tear a sheep's faith apart. And the faith is being ripped to shreds. And so we have a duty to, to protect you, to be on guard against anything that's anti-Christ, to feed you, yes. 
but also to, if you're engaged in unhealthy practices and teachings, to step in and, and care for you in this way. And I love how Martin Lloyd-Jones um, says it this way. He, he has this great quote. He says, we have somehow got hold of the idea that error is only that which is outrageously wrong. We do not seem to understand that the most dangerous person of all is the one who does not emphasize the right things. See what he's saying there? We, we have this idea that the error is the person who has the most outrageously wrong thing that we can see. That's a wolf. But the most dangerous person of all is the one who does not emphasize the right things. And man, I could see this over and over over the last couple of years. You may, you may confess orthodox beliefs, say the right things, condemn the wrong things, but what is your emphasis? What is your emphasis? Would you, do we press into love and justice if we're able to cite all the right procedures, know our Bibles front to back, but we can't open our hearts to love our neighbors? Then we emphasize the wrong things. The idea of protecting sheep can be misunderstood as just like keeping our kids away from R-rated movies. That's not our role for you. <laughs> or maybe we see it as, as enforcing doctrinal conformity, as if the goal of the whole church is to pass a doctrinal exam. That's not our goal. No, the end goal uh, of protecting you, the end is to have you to know and treasure Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what we want for you, to, to give you a clear vision of Jesus so that, so that you can know him more fully, trust him more boldly, and enjoy him more deeply. And so we see if an elder feeds, protects, and lastly, an elder equips the sheep. And as we read earlier in our service, uh, Malcolm uh, read that Ephesians 4 uh, says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so why did God give the church uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, these pastor, elders, teachers, why did he do it? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Meaning, my, my goal is to pour into you as you do the work. As you do the work. And so it's an incredibly difficult job <laughs> because, one, we're, we're all sinners. But, two, the, the, the culture of church in America is, is typically just to sit back and watch the, the professionals do the work, right? As go like, well, they're, they're, they're paid to do it. <laughs> Let's watch them. But, but if all the work is funneled through the professionals, one, we'd have a traffic jam of ministry. Like not much will be going on. Like I only have so much time in the, in the week. But, but more importantly, <laughs> you are far better gifted than me at many things. You are gifted in so many other areas that that needs to be improved. And so maybe if you're ever frustrated with something that's happening at church, maybe it's, it's X, Y, or Z, well, that's probably because God has called you to step in and use your gifts to help X, Y, and Z. If it's only up to the people who work for the church to do ministry, one, it stifles ministry, but two, it burns those out. And so what Scripture commands of me is to give an account on how not I did the work, but how I shepherded you to do the work. How I discipled you to disciple others. And that's a great phrase that we want to use a lot here at Mosaic. Not only are we Presbyterian, we are also Acts 29, which is a church planting network, churches that plant churches. And so as we plant churches, or as we have been planted, we're also looking and helping to help plant other churches. And also a part of that mantra is this idea that as you are discipled, 
you also disciple others. That's what a disciple is. It's someone who's being discipled and discipling others. And so we want to, to equip you to the work of ministry to disciple others as you're going. And so not only equipping you, but we also want to equip more elders to partner with me in shepherding you. And that's what we're working towards this spring. We're working towards having our first ever local elders. We have some from afar who are kind of like a borrowed uh, oversight from Mosaic up in Dallas. Uh, but this is what I love about the scriptures. Everywhere. Everywhere that a church is planted, as we said before, they, they, they appoint elders. But the word there is elders, plural, because it's healthier that way. That There's, there's always multiple elders. There's m- multiple shepherds to care for the sheep. And to care for them on a very personal level, to feed, to protect, to equip. Because one elder pastor cannot do it alone, nor should they. And one of the beautiful things about this model that Scripture sets us up with, multiple elders, is that there's never any czar over the church. There's never any one person who says, this is my kingdom, this is mine. It, 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 It forbids us from that. All the elders are shepherding equally. Nowhere do we see in Scriptures, you have one guy holding all the power, it's always elders. And that means if I go off and start emphasizing or emphasizing the wrong things, I'll get called out for it. <laughs> and I would love for that to be called out for, right? Especially saying emphasizing. But also if I start going down a heretical path, I have fellow elders to hold me accountable. And, and, and this happens all the time already. I don't know if you know this, just for your information, informally. Uh, every week, we get together after uh, service on, on Mondays to review the previous service to see what we can learn, what we can improve. Jada usually says something like, Slim, I need you to sing more in your sermons. Um, Aaron usually just shakes his head. Um, and then before I preach the sermon, I, I write it out, and Malcolm reviews it and sends me edits and says, this is terrible, change everything. Uh, and then after I preach the sermon, Josiah usually gives me feedback and says, you know, usually much more gentler, uh, <laughs> good, the bad, the good. Uh, <laughs> and this past week, as I was uh, meeting with, with our team here, I was reminded that I missed one crucial element to describe a leader last week. Last week, I, I said a leader is a servant, is a steward, and is a sufferer. But one element that I missed is that since none of us are elders are Jesus, a leader is a sinner too. How could I miss that? How can I, how can I miss in emphasizing that we are sinners too? Given the weight of what God is asking shepherds to do to care for the spiritual well-being of their flock, how can any pastor or elder ever feel any sort of confidence in their work when they look at their own hearts and when they see their own junk? That's when I need to be reminded that I'm a sinner too. And in that moment when you, when you feel you're stripped down, maybe you felt this this past week, you feel shame, you feel, you, feel, you feel broken. John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I laid down my life for the sheep. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He says, Jesus is the true shepherd. 
Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And sometimes we like to think of that sentimentally, how beautiful the Lord is my shepherd. But do we realize what we're saying? To say he's our shepherd, we have to say that we are completely helpless. That I am helpless. That I am desperate. I need help. Can you say that? Can you say, I, I, am, I am helpless. I need, I need to cry out for help. He needs to be my everything. And I need to be in a position to say, I'm like a sheep. I'm helpless. I need a shepherd to care for me. And unless I, unless I give up following all these other shepherds and follow the true shepherd, I am that lost sheep. But the good news of the gospel is that this shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after you that lost sheep, and brings you back into the fold as the good shepherd. I mean, think of that intimacy here. Unless, I am doomed unless I follow this shepherd. And Jesus says, just as the Father knows him, he knows you. I mean, do you see that same, that intimacy he, just, he equated us with? Just as the Father knows Jesus, he knows us. That intimacy... And then the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That love, that care, that, that intimacy is what will give you confidence to get up in the morning. That I am never alone. The good shepherd always comes after me. And so in that sense, we are not helpless. We are not doomed. And that will push you to follow him wherever he may lead you and trust him to guide you into green pastures by still waters, to restore our souls. Won't he do it? Let's pray.